Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. We're in the middle of a series, aren't we, called The Ties That Bind Us. And uh, we have been looking at the things that we have in common. This, you need to listen to the language of, or the, lang- the words and the language that I'm using today, and just to help you to understand what this series is really all about. It's not about the things that fracture us, amen? It's about the things that we have in common, our commonality, the things that unite us and unify us, amen? Uh, we're talking about the things that bring us together, the things that cause us to be the body, the things that cause us to be the family of Jesus, to be his sons and daughters, to live in a way as his family that would honor him and that is what he laid out for us. It's about how we can tighten the bonds that tie us together. Amen. We're not talking about loosening our attachments. COVID has been terrible in many respects in spreading us out and isolating us. Amen. And we are talking about how we can become better as believers in the family of God and as the family of Lighthouse Church. We're talking about uh, the kind of issues that unify us as the worldwide church. Amen. We're, we're majoring on the majors and not the minors. Um, and we are talking about the kind of thing that gives us our DNA, gives us the way that we do church together as Lighthouse Church. Amen. So that we can be clear about who we are. Yes. And have an identity that is built in Jesus, a kingdom identity, but then also looks like who we are as Lighthouse Church. Because every church has a part to play. Every church is valuable. Every church is unique. But like everybody in this room, if you look around, they all look different. They all speak differently. But there are certain things that make us like human beings. Amen. And those are the kind of commonalities that we're talking about. We're talking about working together better for the common cause. We're talking about because we work together, we have a greater return for our efforts. Amen. In terms of fruit for the kingdom. We're talking about drawing people in, not pushing them away, not holding them at arm's length because that wasn't Jesus. Amen. And when we talk about what unites us, we're saying it's a thing that is an open door for all. So if we look at Jesus as our prime illustration or example to follow today, if we look, if we kind of zoom out and overall look at Jesus, we don't focus in necessarily on a particular verse, but we look at him as a whole, we see that he is the most loving man who is God. We see him as the most kind man who is God. We see his compassion for the broken, for the lost, for the different than me. Amen? We see the overarching purpose for him coming was to forge a way to bridge the divide that separated us from his goodness and his promise and his life 
and his hope. Amen? We were lost and divided, separated from God. And Jesus' main goal was to create a bridge so that anyone and everyone who wanted to come in could do that. It's important to remember that. His primary principle was the more the merrier. Amen? He, he wasn't fussy about how you came. Amen? It was all about the fact that you came. Right? Just listen to my language because this is the context for which we need to live our lives. And I think that sometimes we forget the big picture because we become so focused on the thing that it makes us act in a certain way that negates the big picture. You need to remember, and when I say you, I'm talking about me, that when Jesus came to earth, there was not one iota in us that was good, that made us deserving of his coming and dying on the cross. He didn't, because, he didn't do it because we reached a certain level of behavior or goodness or rightness and said, right now I'm prepared. He came in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our failing, in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our insecurity, in the midst of our sinning and living apart from his ways. You did not do anything to make him want to come. He came because he loved you. Amen? It's important for us to remember that we have nothing to offer God. You know, when we start to look around and consider ourselves better, Greg uses a great illustration. It's like two beggars sitting on the curb saying, Ha, huh, you're worse than me because your clothes have got 39 holes and mine have got 38. Do you know what I'm trying to say? We're all beggars and undeserving. So this is my point now. Whilst Jesus had every right to come with a stick, he chose the way of the carrot. Can you say the way of the carrot for me? Say it together. The way of the carrot. The theme of our message in this series today is what is love? Now, how many of you can hear that song ringing out in your head now as soon as I said that? <laughs> We're talking about the way of the carrot as the way of love. Jesus didn't come to beat us into shape, but to be somebody that was so attractive that he would draw us to himself. Amen. Why is that important? Because when you think of the stick, you think of fear of judgment. You think of fire and brimstone and hell. And the motivating force in your life is fear of punishment. The motivating force in your life when you hear scriptures like, one day everything that you did in secret will be shouted out from the rooftops. That's true, by the way. It's in the Bible. And that is something that you are afraid of. Because you feel shame for the way that you've lived. Jesus did not come and use the stick of fear. He didn't come to use the stick of shame. He came with a carrot. He came with the way of love. And he came with the way of kindness. Just let that settle in right now. 
before we start looking at individual scriptures, let's see the big picture here. Jesus came in the way of love and in the way of kindness. That was his default setting. He didn't come to be right. He came to bring repentance and restoration. Just think about that right now. He didn't come to win an argument because he would have. We had no argument. His motivating force was our repentance and our restoration. And so he came lovingly and kindly, not hitting us with a stick, but treating us as we didn't deserve. Hallelujah. That's called the mercy of God. You know, his mercies are new every morning. That means when you wake up today, you don't get what you deserve. Thank you, Lord. I am so grateful. So let's, uh, let's look at our scripture today. And we can try and unpack this. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I have been. Amen. I'm so grateful. That's our motivation. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Because you're so grateful for everything that God has done and that you didn't get what you deserve, that's my little added bit. Verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden, hidden with Christ. When God looks at you, he doesn't see broken, beaten up, frail. I don't know. I don't want to pick a name. Just think of your own name. He sees Jesus because you are wrapped up in Jesus. That's why he doesn't frown when he looks at you. That's why he doesn't feel disappointed and angry when he looks at you. Because he sees Jesus. You are hidden with Christ. Hallelujah. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, and this is why we have hope, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No matter how you live, and this is not an excuse, but in spite of all your constant failings, you have the promise of God that you'll be raised to life and eternity when Jesus comes. So he goes, because you're grateful of all of these things, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Please make no mistake, at the end of time when Jesus comes back, it's like the stick is coming. But until then, it's carrot. Amen? Um, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these, in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. So he goes on now. Listen to these now. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. And filthy language from your lips. There we go. It seems like these are all grade-scaled kind of sins, don't they? Sin is sin, folks. 
that he's just breaking it down to its smallest levels, kind of how we see it. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is, thank God, being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. As we, as we see Jesus with clearer and clearer vision, we begin to understand more clearly. We begin to make better choices. We begin to live a life that is increasingly like Jesus. Amen? This is the reality of life on earth. We won't get it right all the time. But thank God, day by day, we become a little bit more like Jesus. Even if it's a thousandth of a millimeter, it's progress. Amen? Um, listen now. This is the all-inclusivity of Jesus. Here on earth, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Hallelujah. We are hidden in Christ doesn't matter who you are, what your past is, where you came from. If you want Jesus, you can have him. That is what Jesus came to show us, to do and achieve for us. What a wonderful Savior. Therefore, listen now. Talking about beggars in torn, hold, filled, dirty clothes. Paul is now using this illustration of getting dressed. Okay? As God's chosen people, when you accepted his free gift, you became a chosen person. Holy, you are holy, the Bible says. Hallelujah. And you are dearly loved. Amen. Clothe yourselves with compassion. This is where I really want to focus this whole idea of what is love. Clothe yourselves with compassion with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. I want to say that again. Compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And he goes on. Bear with each other. Amen. Endure each other. You understand what I'm saying right now. And I'm not talking about people who don't go to church. If you're in church for a while and you have friends and relationships and you have life, you have grievances. Amen? But remember, Jesus came for repentance and for restoration. Amen? Bear with or endure with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. That's not a suggestion. Amen? We've got to find what it takes to forgive. Forgive, why? As the Lord forgave you. If you cannot forgive someone else, you are totally flying in the face of the gospel and what Jesus achieved for you. Remember, you didn't deserve his forgiveness. There was nothing in you that made you worthy. God chose to forgive you when you hated him. 
when you did not regard him whatsoever, when you lived your life apart from his way, before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eyes, he had chosen to forgive you, knowing fully what would come. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is clothe yourselves, he's saying, with these things. Now listen. And over all of these virtues, put on love like a big winter coat. Put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, one of the things that I I really want to nail today is that God is calling us to love one another better. This is how they will know that you are my disciples, the Bible says, when you love one another, by the way that you love one another, by the way that you do life together, how love shows up in your relationships where it won't show up in the world. Amen? When you have grievances, when you fall out with people, do you walk away or do you work towards repentance and restoration? Jesus never shamed anybody. Just want you to think about that. He never shamed anybody. Maybe unless you were a Pharisee. Jesus always promoted an open door to repentance and restoration. So I want to use a couple of illustrations today. Number one is the man, the disciple Peter. You know the story? I'm going to summarize it for you. Jesus is about to get crucified and uh, he and Peter are having a conversation and basically Peter says, Lord, I will never abandon you. I will die alongside you. Jesus, if we fast forward, is arrested and there's this conversation that we get to see happening where Peter and a couple of guys are sat around a fire and someone recognizes Peter as being one of the disciples and goes, aren't you one of the guys that used to hang out with Jesus? Now Peter's worried, scared for his life. He says, no. And that happens three times. Now remember, Jesus has said, Peter, you're going to disown me. And Peter's like, never, Lord, never will I ever. And this for me is one of the most stark pictures in the Bible. At the moment that Peter denies Jesus the third time, the rooster crows. And the Bible says that Peter and Jesus made eye contact. And Peter realized I have betrayed you, Jesus. And I imagine from that moment, he just felt gutted. But I want to think about Jesus right now. Having seen it coming and said to Peter, look, we're going to have... He has a conversation. He's basically saying, Peter, look, I don't want you to be surprised. It's going to happen. And it's like predicting someone's future and giving them the opportunity to know it's coming and do differently. But Peter doesn't. I want you to imagine that you have a close circle of friends and one of them just betrays you. That's real life. Amen? How many of you have ever had a friend that you considered a friend and they betrayed you? That is one of the most difficult things as a human being to bear with or to deal with. And typically what we do is we shut down to that person, we cut them off and we move on. Amen? Am I fair in saying that that is 
an understandable reaction. And if that happened in your life, all your buddies who gathered around you and knew about it would say, forget about them, let them go. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't close his heart to Peter. In fact, he looks for opportunities to come and restore him. Having been fully betrayed by Peter, he still has so much strength of character and love and compassion that says, no matter what, I forgive you, Peter, and I'm going to come and I'm going to reach out with an open hand. The way of the carrot. I'm going to be so beautiful to you, Peter, that you just can't believe how kind I am. I'm not going to punch you in the face. I'm not going to swear at you. I'm not going to badmouth you on Facebook. I'm not going to gossip about you to all my friends. I'm going to love you till you can't stand it no more. That's why Jesus is beautiful. Amen? That's why Peter came back, because his heart was not forced into separation. He didn't get judged publicly by Jesus and been made to feel ashamed of himself. He just thought, this is so precious, I must have it. And that is the way of the carrot. Amen? Let's talk about the woman caught in adultery. The Bible says she was caught in the act of adultery, pulled from the bed of adultery, probably not even dressed, and dragged before Jesus and other people by the religious leaders of the time. That is shameful. Amen? Because they wanted to trick Jesus. What should we do with this woman? And Jesus doesn't say... Guys, this is a prime example of why I came to earth. This shameful behavior, society, horrendous. You lot are rubbish. He doesn't do that. He, he, he just stays silent. He writes on the ground and he stands up and he says, if you've never done anything wrong in your life, if you've never said something or thought something or acted in a way that was ungodly, please go ahead and throw the first stone at this woman. And I tell you, that was the most disarming way to act. People dropped their stones and walked away. Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? They've all gone. Who judges you? No one. And Jesus says, neither do I. The guy who had the right to beat her with a stick because she had broken the laws of his kingdom, said, I don't judge you. Get up and stop sinning, is what he says to her. Go your way. How kind was he to her? Did he take a photo of her and stick it on Facebook or any of the social media platforms? Did he treat her without dignity or dishonor? As broken as she was, he treated her with dignity and love and kindness. And compassion. Wow. What about the story of the woman at the well? The Bible tells us that she came to the well at noon. That was not normal. Normally it was early in the morning or late in the evening before the sun was up because they had to carry it. And, and the reason that she came at noon is because she didn't want to come with all the other women when they came because she didn't want to be judged. But Jesus met her at the well. And if you've ever watched the series The Chosen on Netflix, 
I don't know if you've ever watched it, but it is a beautiful series that depicts the life of Jesus and how he interacted with the people in the stories of the gospel. Look it up and watch it. That particular story is the last of the season, and I just cried. It just showed Jesus as such a kind and compassionate Savior. He knew exactly who she was. He knew that she had countless husbands, was divorced, and was living in another relationship. And yet, he spoke kindly to her and offered her life when she didn't deserve it, when she deserved the opposite. Can you see why Jesus is so beautiful and why his way of love is such a beautiful example? He wasn't interested in being right. He was interested in her repentance and restoration. He didn't judge her and condemn her because that would have severed a relationship. That would have closed the door that would have led to repentance or restoration. Please listen to me now. And I want you to think about the relationships in your own life right now and how the world treats people and how God is calling us to love, to be kind. Kindness is undeserved. It's, it's so in the face of what is deserved. But it is powerful. It is disarming. Amen. Think about the story of the prodigal son. Wished his dad dead, basically. Said, I want my inheritance now. And went and threw it all away. Dishonored the family name. Amen. Then he came to his senses and wanted to go back and be united to his father. And become a son in that household again. And the Bible tells us that the dad fell over himself running to go and hug and welcome his son back beautiful. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 4. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt, listen now, for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God is kind because he wants to leave the door open for you until the very last opportunity. He treated you patiently. He treated you kindly. He treated you with forbearance. Let me just tell you what that means because that's not a word we use often. It's the action of refraining from exercising a legal right, especially enforcing the payment of a debt. You know how it works? The only reason we don't get condemned by God is if we are perfect. If we live perfectly and we cannot. Amen. Jesus said his last words on the cross. It is finished. The debt. The, the, the Greek word is tetelestai. The debt is paid in full. 
We owe Jesus. We owe him and yet he paid our debt. Amen? Forbearance. He has not come to demand payment. The goal is not to be right. And I see a lot of Christians who want to be right, who think their theology is right and others is wrong, who take opportunity to, to throw people on the bus, on the social media, under the bus, I mean, questioning them publicly. There's even a full-length feature documentary that came out recently, which makes me sad. John, 1 John 4, 10 to 11 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. I want you to think about this whole idea of lies, slander, there's a phrase that we use, and you see it a lot at the moment, is name and shame. It happens very subtly. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus never, ever dreamed of you carrying shame. He never, ever intended for you to carry any shame whatsoever. In fact, if you think about it, crucifixion, was one of the most shameful things that could happen to a person in that day. Stripped naked, nailed to a cross, until you can't breathe anymore in front of the world to see. People spitting at you and insulting you. Just think now. Jesus so cared about you and so did not want you to carry one iota of shame that he carried your shame. He died a shameful death on the cross in your place so that you could be shame free. Do you understand that? He carried the weight and the burden of your sin and your shame. He took the punishment for your shame. He who did not deserve shame was shame so that you never have to live in shame. We should never heap shame on any body. In fact, the Bible calls us to cover over shame with love. There's a scripture in 1 Peter verse 4 and 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I just want you to think about that. Some of you might be going, oh, be careful. We're not talking about sweeping sin under the carpet and saying it's okay. We're talking about a way of treating human beings in the midst of their sin so that they are not exposed to the world and shame. Amen? Think about that woman caught in adultery. Jesus, I'm sure, wanted to cover her up because she was a child of his who had inherent dignity within her as a human being and honor. 
So when people are in sin, when people do things that hurt you, our response is not to tell anybody else about it or expose that person to judgment and shame. Our job is to go to that person quietly and speak with them so that there can be repentance and restoration. The world doesn't need to know. Amen. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? If you see someone who is in sin, speak to them in private. The Bible has a way of doing this because the goal is not to be right, but to bring about repentance and restoration. Amen. Amen. Our goal is to love and be kind and treat with dignity, even when it is undeserved, because that's how we've been treated by God himself. Hinder the knowledge of a thing. That's what it means to cover over. Not act like it didn't happen and it's okay. Confront it, but not in the public eye. No one needs to know. How is that going to help for repentance and restoration? And so, as I finish today, I just want to say that there are kingdom ties and bonds that compel us to prioritize unity. That is more important than anything else. God's family united. Restoration is a priority. Honor and dignity over personal feelings or opinion. I just feel to, to highlight again, you know, social media is not a platform to call people out. Jesus might disagree with your theology. He might disagree with your lifestyle. But he won't post about it on Facebook. I can guarantee you one thing today. That yours and my theology will never be perfect. Amen? So please let's not judge one another. Let's be kind. Let's be compassionate. Let's discuss. Amen? Let's move towards repentance and restoration. Bear with one another and forgive those who hurt you. Amen? Lord, I thank you for your word today. Thank you that you loved us so unbelievably, Jesus. I pray that we will take something away from today that will help us love better, that will help us treat people with honor and dignity, even the people who betray us, Lord, and treat us wrongfully, even people that we would consider our enemies. Help us, Lord, to love to love people into repentance and restoration, God. Because that is why you came. Lord, there's a world that is hurting out there that is apart from you. Help us, God, to love them and be kind to them and be compassionate to them and keep their progress towards unity with you, Lord, as our priority. Help us to put aside anger and malice and hatred and all the kind of things that close doors, Jesus. We want you to be honored, Lord Jesus.
We want people to be saved and living in your, in your, your power, Lord, with a fervor to live for you, God, and to serve you all their days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.